must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie Wyrock, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Brandon Poen and F. Scott Feel, of course. Uh, in today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy and host of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast, and co-founder of the Women in PT Summit or Women in Physical Therapy Summit. And Karen has been a huge mentor to me. So I'm super excited to have her on my podcast. I was actually, I think, one of her first guests on her podcast when she started her podcast. So it's pretty cool to have her on today. Uh, In case you aren't aware, Karen is a world-renowned speaker and serves on the American Physical Therapy Association Private Practice Section Nominating Committee and is an official media spokesperson for the APTA. So thanks, Dr. Litzy, for joining us today. Um, For those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you to you and Brandon and Scott for having me on. I really appreciate that. And a little bit more about me, Uh, I am based in New York City, and I have a private practice, Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, where I see patients in their homes or office, so it's a concierge model. And I've been doing that sort of full-time for about eight years or so, and part-time for for a lot longer than that. I think I've kind of lost track. Um, And... Yeah, and I have, you said everything else. I have the podcast and we're gearing up for women in PT. So yeah, I'm excited. Well, no, it's fantastic. And Karen, it's, you know, been a huge supporter of what you guys have done throughout the whole podcast. I mean, just seeing the wide variety of topics and guests that you've had on Healthy, Wealthy, Smart. I mean, huge fan, love what you're doing and such. You know, and you kind of mentioned before that you had kind of your own PT practice and stuff with that. And, you know, I'm really just kind of curious for you've been a PT for 18 years. Can you tell us kind of why you started your own practice and kind of what made you go down that route? Sure. So I had, I had been working in an outpatient clinic that I really loved. And I loved the people that I work with, one of which was Erica Mello. And, uh, we, I started getting a lot of requests from, not from my own patients, but from referrals from friends and family Uh, asking if I could see them in their homes or if I could see their parents in their homes. And so I just thought to myself, well, this is a big market here and there's a need for it. And so perhaps this is a hole that I can help to fill. And that's what got me 
started on this concierge model where I'm going to patients' homes. So I did that while working full-time. That was kind of my side hustle for quite a bit. And then once I, that kept building up and building up, I mean, I was probably working 60 hours a week. And, and uh, then I decided to leave my full-time job and was lucky enough to have two friends of mine who were starting their clinic and they were expanding and looking for part-time help. So they brought me on and they were amazing mentors. It's a, a physical therapy practice in New York called Physical Therapy Associates of New York. And they were amazing mentors to me and they allowed me to build my practice on the side. I went from 20 hours a week, eventually down to eight working with them until I eventually left. And I realized I was in a very unique uh, position. But when I was hired, I specifically told them, hey, listen, I'm really excited to work with you guys, but just know that my goal is to build up my own practice. And so they really helped me along the way. So I was really lucky. And that's one piece of advice I always give to people if they want to start a side hustle is just be honest and upfront with the people that you're working for. Yeah, Karen, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, I think the concierge model is, is certainly an interesting one as I kind of dabble in that a little bit myself, but I, I've kind of taken a lot of advice from you exactly to that and just be, you know, open and honest about it. And, you know, it is what it is. And, and I, I do it on the side. It's not my main source of income, but I really do enjoy it. Um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to really start their own private practice, whether it be in physical therapy or, or medicine in general? Well, I think the first thing you have to look at is where do you live? Is there a market for what you want to do? And if there is, that's a great first step. If there isn't, then, you know, maybe think about going to a neighboring town or something like that. But first of all, will the area you live in support the business that you want to have, whatever that business is? Then my best piece of advice is to help get the foundation of your business solid. So your foundation should be your legal aspects, meaning get a lawyer, do it right the first time. I've said it a million times. I did not do it right the first time. It cost me money. It cost me time. It's a pain in the ass. So get a lawyer and make sure you have your legal foundation set, number one. Number two, get an accountant because you want to make sure that your systems of how you're going to get paid are in place. The whole point of starting your private practice is hopefully to be able to do, to treat the, within the vision that you would like. But part of that vision is that you get paid. So you want to make sure that you have your accounting pillar is all ready to go. And then finally, you want to make sure of what type of business you want to be running. Do you want to have a concierge model? Do you want to rent space out of a gym? Do you want to have a brick and mortar place? And I think all of these are just foundational things that you should have before you obviously hang that shingle on the door. And then finally, I think you really want to be very clear on kind of what your vision or your brand is for your business. So I, I always use the term your ROI. Most people use ROI as return on investment. I use it as how are you relevant, how are you original, and what is your impact going to be? And if you kind of separate that into three columns and try and think, well, how am I relevant? You know, who am I, who am I to the people in the area that I'm living in? How am I original? Well, if there's a PT place four doors down, what makes you stand apart? And these are things that you really have to like dig deep in to, to try and 
to try and pull out of yourself. If you can't pull it out of yourself, then hire a business coach. They'll pull it out for you. Um, and then finally, what is your impact? So if you do everything that you want to do within your business, how is that going to impact your patients? How is it going to impact your family? And how is it going to impact your community? So I think if you can figure out what your ROI is, and that will give you a clearer vision as to your brand and who you want to be as a business owner, who you want to be as a practitioner. I think that's really good advice, Karen. I mean, branding is, I think, something that our profession has struggled with over the years, and we're starting to really get a handle on it. So I really like that you emphasize that. And, you know, you've done a really great job building your brand, first on social media, then with your podcast, and then with your business. And I know that, you know, you were one of the first PTs that I ever interacted with on Twitter. Um, you have a huge fan following. Every time I go to a conference, people are like, oh my God, you know Karen Litzy? I love Karen Litzy. She's, I'm such a fangirl. So, I mean, obviously you've built that brand. And, you know, I still remember when Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart was a new podcast. Um, and, you know, I was one of the first people you that were. got to be on it, which still to this day, like, blows my mind. Um, for student perspective on PT school. Yeah, it was you and Lauren. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's amazing how you've built up your branding. And, you know, that just kind of brings me to my next question. Why did you start your podcast? It seems like all these things have been a little bit of side hustles. And now you've turned it into something that you actually are profitable on. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I first started, it was actually a radio show. So Steph, if you remember, it was like Mondays at one o'clock live. So there was, if there was technical glitches, you had to be on it. And it was sort of like trial by fire. And I feel like it really helped me when it came to interviewing people because you couldn't just say, oh, oh, we'll edit that out later because it was live. Um, so that was great. But the way it started is I was at, uh, it was an online radio station and I was interviewed by my friend, Josh Margolis. He's a personal trainer here in New York and he wanted to interview me so that his audience can learn more about physical therapy. And after that interview, the producer at the station was like, well, you have a nice voice and you seem smart. You want your own show. So I thought about it for a month or so and said yes, and then just started it. But I will fully admit, I had no clear vision. I had no idea what I was doing. No one, no one in the PT space was doing this at all, bar none. So I had no idea what to do. And I thought, well, I'll just be, it'll be like a health and wellness show. Like maybe not PT specific, because I mean, how many people want to hear just PT topics? Well, as it turns out, like a lot. And so what I realized is the more I had people like, I think one of my biggest, first biggest guests, like David Butler, and that just like exploded after that. Um, because then I realized, wow, there's a huge, again, gap here. There's a lot of physical therapists aren't doing this or they don't have podcasts. And um, so that's how it started. And then I eventually realized that I didn't have to go and pay. I used to pay money to go to a studio to record it every week. So I was like losing hundreds of dollars a month just to do this podcast, which I don't think people realized. And um, then I did an online summit for physical therapists 
uh, I don't know, this is many, many years ago. And after that, I realized, well, I can do this from my apartment, so I don't have to pay to do this anymore. And so then there was no hosting sites then. So there's no Libsyn, no Anchor. So I hosted my own podcast and used to have to do like backend code to get it onto iTunes every week. So once Libsyn came out, I was like, oh my God, this is child's play compared to writing backend code to get things up onto different sites. Um, so it really, it, I took a couple of years off when I got my doctorate. And then I, I think in 2016, I just sort of rebranded and, 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 and uh, started out with the Gloria Steinem interview. And then, and here we are in 2018. And now wow. I'm taking a podcasting class to help with other stuff as well. Never stop nice. learning. <laughs> nice. And who are you taking that from, Karen? Oh, I'm taking a podcasting class from Jason Van Orden. So he is someone that I had met in New York, I don't know, years ago through this uh, other guy named Ryan Levesque, who I met through one of my big mentors, Selena Sue. Um, so Selena does uh, exactly what we were just saying, kind of branding and, and at, um, uh, PR and things like that. And so Jason was one of the, literally one of the first people on the podcasting scene, I don't know, 2004 maybe. And he, like a lot of his writings actually were implemented by iTunes. So he is kind of credited with, with a lot of um, podcasting literature and things like that. So long story short, I'm taking this class because I want to try and get a better handle on what I'm doing as a podcast host and what I can do to better serve the listeners. No, I think that's really good because I think, I mean, we've only been podcasting for almost a year now and we definitely feel like we've learned a lot, but we've got a lot to learn. Like we're by no means anywhere close to being where we want to be and we've got a ton to learn. But, you know, with that being said, with us being out for kind of a little over a year now, what advice would you give to new podcasters like ourselves or to people that are just maybe thinking about starting their own podcast? Well, I just got off a phone call today about this very subject. Um, but what I would say to anyone who's new or who's thinking about having a podcast, number one, if you're thinking about it, do it. Try it. There's going to be an audience for you. You know, there may be 25,000 podcasts plus on iTunes, but someone is always listening. So that's number one. Number two, when you're first starting out, don't look at your downloads. Don't be obsessed over your downloads because it will drive you insane. Just keep putting out good, solid content that you're proud of and that you feel is beneficial to who your audience is and not worry about downloads. Don't worry about any of that stuff. It will come if you keep putting out good information. And then of course, try and figure out who your audience is. Who are you trying to reach? If you have a specific niche audience, go for that audience because you can always expand on a niche as you start to grow and, and um, as you start to get your footing and understand who you are as a person and as a podcast host, and then you can start to expand that audience. But really hone in on who, who's your audience, who are you trying to reach? Because it's hard to say, well, everybody. It's not realistic. So I think if you're just starting out, try and understand who your audience is. I mean, we're, we're not all Tim Ferriss, you know, so we can't say everybody. 
Uh, it's a great person to ha- to role model yourself after, but understand who your audience is. Don't worry about your downloads. Have fun. If you're doing it and you're not having fun and it's stressing you out, then just stop. That's what I did. I stopped for like two years and was maybe doing like one a week or one every other week because it wasn't fun and I wasn't having a good time. And it reflected on, in my mind, on the interviews and on the quality of the production. So if you're not having fun, people will know, they can tell, and they will tune out. Yeah, that's great advice, Karen. Um, You know, and over the last few years, your podcast has kind of tried to include guests that are multidisciplinary versus just in the physical therapy realm. Um, You know, how do you think podcasts can be beneficial in providing better patient care across the healthcare system? Well, I think the more experts you have on your podcast from across the healthcare system, the, the better informed people are going to be. And hopefully, people can be practicing at a higher level. I think when you have people from different realms, whether that be nursing, PT, OT, physicians, psychologists, I mean, you name it, right? Nutritionists. Uh, I think it's, it can only enhance the listener's knowledge. So as a physical therapist, I may want to tune in to hear, let's say to your podcast, well, how are, what is the current situation of, of um, education for nurse practitioners? Because maybe I work in a hospital and I interact with nurse practitioners and it give me a better idea of what they had to go through to get to where they're at today. So I think it can foster a little more empathy across healthcare. And I think it can foster a little more understanding and a little more patience and not patience as in people, but patience as in the act of being patient. Well, Karen, I want to move to the Women in PT Summit. So this is a conference that holds some very very near and dear to my heart. Uh, You started it now. It's been, what, three? 2016 was when you started it? Yeah, this is our Um, third one. And uh, the the first year, I had the amazing opportunity to be a moderator of a panel of women entrepreneurs during the summit, which is held in New York City every year. And it was, this conference was life-changing for me. It was so inspiring to see and hear the successes of so many women in our profession. Tell us a little bit about what inspired the Women in PT Summit and what the summit entails. So I think what inspired it is exactly what you just said. Being able to look up and see all of these women who are so successful and who are just killing it in physical therapy. And maybe they're not the loudest on social media or they're not the ones who are constantly uh, giving presentations at conferences, but they're successful, they have a point of view, and I feel like that has come across each year. And I think that's the point of the summit is to have people up there who maybe are doing things a little differently. And like my biggest thing is what I just said, I want someone to have a point of view, a strong point of view. I don't have to agree with it. That's not the point. But I want that point of view to be heard. And I think it's really important for younger clinicians and students to be able to look and say, wow, like that's exactly what I want to do. Like for instance, last, at last year's summit, Um, Before the summit, I met with a student from my alma mater, Ms. Recordia University. She was here in New York doing a clinical, Emily, and she 
she was just saying how much she was looking forward to the panel we had using your PT degree outside of patient care. So that was with Heidi Janenga and uh, Mia Gonzalez-Dean and Nicole Stout. And so far from that was, has been probably one of the most talked about panels we've had. And she said, you know, I just really want to know that there are other women doing things outside of patient care because I just don't hear about it. And so the whole point is to give that inspiration, to spark a little bit of uh, an idea in someone's head that they might say, you know something, I think one of these years I'm going to do that. I want to be like Nicole Stout. Well, who doesn't want to be like Nicole Stout? But um, I feel like that's just a given. For the shoes alone, that is a given. But um, that's the whole point of it, is to just spark a little bit of inspiration. And it's not just for women, it's for men as well. We have male speakers. We encourage men to be there. Um, the first year, we, we had uh, a good representation of the gentleman in our profession. And the following year, the same thing. So we want men to come because we want to have these conversations with them. You can't have a conversation about disparity in any profession, race, what have you, if you're only represented by one aspect of it. So we want more men to come and, and also men to support us. And we want to support them. No, I think that's great, Karen. And I think it's really good in terms of trying to make um, voices out there that are perhaps not commonly getting a voice out there and kind of having some different perspectives on things. I think that's really important. And I know there are other things out there too, like gram sessions is another big thing where different opinions and voices can be heard. So I really love that. I think that's critical for really innovation and really kind of bringing these, like you said, these discussions forward to really get all sides because at the end of the day, we kind of have to really talk outside of our echo chamber to be really, really collaborative and really move forward. So I, I really like that initiative and that idea behind that. And, you know, you talked about, you know, that one before and kind of some of the past um, specials and kind of what's taken place at the summit. But can you tell us a little bit about this year's summit and maybe how sure. someone can register for this summit? Sure. So this year we move from one day to two, well, one and a half. So our first day we have um, a couple of panels we have a panel on a leadership panel that includes Stacy Menz and Lisa Saladin and a woman, Ting Ting Kuo. So uh, Ting Ting Kuo is the rehab director at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital here in New York City, which is a huge hospital system. We've got Lisa Saladin, as you guys know, a full-on academic, and Stacy Menz, who is an entrepreneur. She has a pediatric practice in California and is also the editor of Impact Magazine. Oh, and I, we also, Emma Stokes, president of the World Confederation of Physical Therapy is our keynote speaker. Um, and then our second panel of the day is a pitch panel or a media panel. So we've got um, a woman, Anna Miller. She's the writer and edit, health editor for US News and World Report. We've got Kate Santogen, who is the video editor for Time, Inc. and Money Magazine. Chris Winfield, who is a creator of Unfair Advantage and the uh, editor-at-large of Thrive Global. And, um, um, oh, I'll come up with it in a second. Um, we have another reporter and writer who is a contributor to the Today Show and to um, various media outlets. And that's day one. And then we're trying to have a little surprise at the end of the day. Um, 
And then uh, something else that we're kind of toying with is if hopefully Sharon Dunn can come again. And um, so if we can get sort of a president's panel between her and um, Emma Stokes, and if there's any presidents of any uh, sections there, we would love to maybe try and do something with them. And then the second day is going to be all practical workshops. We have one on negotiation, one on diversity in the profession, one on public speaking, and one on marketing. And that's going to be day two. That's awesome, Karen. I mean, this really sounds like a jam-packed summit with lots of benefit for, like you said, both men and women. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and we're going to have a pitch competition too. Oh, very so nice. So everyone who goes gets to throw in their pitch, and then two people are going to be selected to be on the hot seat. Awesome. Like yeah. uh, shark, shark Tank for physical therapists, huh? Yeah, for, for, pitching, for pitching to you know, large media outlets. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Karen, I'd like to ask you this next question here. What do you think is the most difficult obstacle for women working in healthcare at present time? And, and, you know, I, I looked at that question and I thought about it and I think there's a, I think there's a couple of things. I think number one is I think, and I'll speak for myself, but I think I can probably speak for a number of other women is kind of overcoming our own internal biases, overcoming our own sort of misconceptions of what we can actually do. And a little of this is societal. You know, women were often told to kind of take a back seat or to, you know, not be as loud because you don't want to be the person who's thought of as a bitch or you don't want to be that person. And I think that we as women need to get over that and we need to take ownership over the fact that, hey, maybe this is how people used to be, but now, you know, we have a voice. I don't think we need to find our voice. It's there. I think we just have to start embracing it and using it unapologetically and to not be afraid to take on criticism. And because I think a lot of men in healthcare and elsewise will just throw anything up against the wall and see what sticks and it's great. And, and I, think, I think it was Michelle Obama who said, I wish, I think this was Michelle Obama who said, I wish women were allowed to fail as gracefully as men because men can fail. And it was like, ah, okay, women fail. And you'd swear it was like the end of the world. And I think that, can, that plays on your psyche. And then you're less likely to take that leap or take that chance again. I think it was Michelle Obama who said that. It was a great um, Yeah, I something. think you're right. You're yeah. Right yeah, I thought it was just really great to say, yeah, why shouldn't women be able to fail as gracefully as men? So I think that's one thing. And I think, you know, when you, when you look across health care, certainly when you think of a doctor, the image that most people have in their head of a doctor is probably a white male. And I think we're probably all guilty of that at some point in our lives. And so I think getting over that stereotype of, a leader in healthcare is a white male or someone in a C-suite is a white male. And I think that the more that society changes and we're seeing that in movements like Feminem, which is, you know, women in emergency medicine um, and with the Women in PT Summit and a lot of various other things, the Women's March. I mean, I think that you're seeing more and more women being able to step up to the plate. So I think it's a little bit of getting over our own fears and just saying, screw it, let's do this. I'm doing it. I don't care. Well, you care with the, of course you care, but you, you're going to do it and you're going to take the chance. 
And I, I think that coupled with, you know, trying to get the rest of society to understand that just because you're a woman in a hospital doesn't mean you're automatically a nurse or an aide, but that you are the physical therapist or you are the doctor. Yeah, no, Karen, I agree. I mean, there's definitely still occurrences that are still taking place that are not, that, you know, are not right. And I know that, you know, this, you were talking before about how this really gets to society. And yes, clearly there's things going on on both sides and men and women don't see the world equally. And that's a huge topic there. And I'm not trying to open Pandora's box here by any means. Um, but, you know, there's quite a bit of research to support that facilitation of gender roles starts at a very young age and that both men and women kind of have intrinsic biases towards men when it comes to high-powered positions of leadership. So first of all, what are your thoughts on this? And is this something that we can help society change and how? Well, I think it's absolutely something that we can help society change. And I think the way you change it is just by having conversations like this and bringing it to people's attention. You know, having things like the Women in PT Summit, or like I mentioned that Feminem, or, you know, I did a, I was part of a large group of people um, who wrote an editorial for BJSM called What's, What's Up With, uh, you know, Mannels, meaning hashtag Mannels, which is a panel of all men that is current, that is often seen at medical conferences at every level. And so now that it's seen at almost every level, what's happening is people are starting to call it out and say, Come on, like you're telling me you can get one woman for this, or or I there was um someone posted a picture of something I think it was down in South America or something like that, and like look at this great group of people for like a hip and groin pain or for a pelvic pain thing, it was like eleven men and one woman, so you're like, how is this even remotely possible? So I think definitely bringing people's attention to it, having conversations like this and not being afraid to, you know, have people get a lot of backlash towards you for having those kinds of conversations, which we certainly did for our BJSM editorial. Um, We got a good amount of backlash from people and we put our heads together and responded to it. So our goal with that was to open up dialogue and it did. So, I mean, what more can you ask? I have a, I think that that's obviously the points that you've made, Karen, you know, I have had lots of conversation on that and kind of a personal story that I have is I was doing a practice interview round for a bunch of little girls trying to work on their interview skills. They were all under the age of 10. One of the questions, one of the questions was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And most of the girls said that they either wanted to be a teacher or a nurse, which Obviously, those are great careers, but not very, no child said, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a CEO. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a scientist. You just didn't hear that from these girls who are, you know, under the age of 10. So I think that that kind of goes with Brandon's question about showing that there is intrinsic biases that we have, even as young girls. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and and I love that you, you know, on Twitter or on social media, on your podcast at Women in PT Summit, you are always the voice of, I think, people that maybe are afraid to speak up. And I've always really admired that about you. You've been an inspiration to me and have given me great advice when it comes to asking for raises or standing up for myself in the workplace, pursuing my dreams. So I want to ask you, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would like to give to young women in the profession of physical therapy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I would say... Uh, to any young woman 
entering the profession of physical therapy is to pursue what you love. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't because you can. And try and surround yourself with people who are going to empower you, with people who believe in you, with people who are going to mentor you. And that could be any gender, but just make sure that those are the people that you really want to surround yourself with because you don't want someone. I mean, you want people to challenge you. You want your friends and your colleagues to challenge your decisions and to make you look at maybe certain situations through a different lens. Otherwise, you're not going to grow. But at the same time, you want those same people to do it in a way that's kind and loving and empowering and not in a way that makes you feel bad for what you do for a living. Because I feel like women often get enough of that, whether it be in the home or through society. So the last thing you need in your career, especially starting out, is someone to make you feel bad about your thoughts, to make you feel bad about what you want to accomplish with your career. So find yourself like a good group of find people your- and stick with them. If you want a good group of people, everyone, you know, the Women in PT Summit is a really great group to join. So go to womeninptsummit.com and sign up today. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Great plug. And Karen, as, as the father of a daughter, I, I love that advice. That, that's absolutely something I hope to pass on to my daughter in the, in the future, for sure. I'm sure uh, you will. Karen, just for, for context sake, uh, can you give us a little bit more as far as the dates and uh, when the Women in PT Summit is happening? Sure. This year, it is September 21st and 22nd. It's going to be in New York City at John Jay College, which is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Awesome. We like to ask all of our guests this one final question. Um, If you could change one aspect of healthcare education, physical therapy or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? Well, what I would love to see is to have more crossover uh, within those different professions. So in physical therapy, we take gross anatomy. And I know there are some programs that do this, but maybe take gross anatomy alongside with those in medical school. You know, take classes with your occupational therapy colleagues. Take classes with nurses, nurse practitioners. Have more crossover so that we're not in every single class completely siloed within our profession. Because then when we get out, like I said before, we, we don't have a great idea of what everyone else is doing. Whether you're working in an inpatient facility, a skilled nursing facility, outpatient, pediatrics, you have your own practice. You should really understand what all other aspects of healthcare do for a living because you need to know who, who, can, I, who can I position myself with? Who can become my ally within my profession and within my business? And if we have no idea of what our respective educations include, then it's our fault. So I think if most schools who have physical therapy also have other healthcare profession educations. So I would love to see more crossover of that within our education, even when it comes to doing our clinical evaluations. Instead of always being with our CI, wouldn't it be cool if you got to hang out with the doctor for the day, the nurse for the day, the nutritionist for the day, the social worker for the day? So I think those are quick and easy things that can be incorporated into healthcare practitioners and healthcare um, education systems. Yeah, and that's a very common answer that we 